Hi, I am Rutger Oudemakers and you are listening to the Contemplative Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Contemplative Podcast in conjunction with Contemplative Classical and Headphone Commute. My name is Matt Emery and this month's guest is the inspiring composer and producer Rutger Hodemakers. I'm sorry for my pronunciation. Um, Rutger released his album Age of Odysseys on Fat Cat's 130701 label this year and it's also just been released as a vinyl edition which is available through Fat Cat and their website now. If you haven't heard the album, then I can't recommend it enough. Um, There's going to be snippets of the tracks throughout our conversation, and we talk about the making of Age of Oddities, the musicians who played on it, his new studio set up in Brussels, how to translate his music into a live show, his film and TV work in collaborations with Hilda Goodnadottir and the sadly missed Johan Johansson. And we delve straight into this after this clip of his piece called Calm. Contemplative podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. I've been loving your new album that came out last Friday. Um, we'll get to that in a second. But how are you doing, and how are things in Brussels at the moment? Well, thanks for having me. Um, it's uh, it's nice speaking to somebody. Um, uh, it's uh, yeah. It's it, it, things are are getting a little better. It's uh, you know the sun is out again, and uh, uh, that that cheers everybody up. So. Um, it's it's been a long long period of, of mostly being inside, of course, like like for all of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm ha- I have good hopes. Yeah. Are you are you still locked down in Brussels, or are you? Um... We are pretty much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's um, it's getting a little bit better at the moment, and they're talking about uh, easing things up again. But uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I, I saw I saw you had posted um, uh, an image on your Instagram about sort of being in a in a studio, no, not much bigger than you said a vocal booth. Is that where you are now, or? Um... Yeah. yeah. So when when we moved here uh, last year, that was right before they closed the borders. Uh, at least you know Belgium did, and um, so basically, I haven't still haven't been able to set up a proper studio. So I'm just working out of an extra room in the apartment. <laughs> Which is fine, uh, you know. It's I, I have uh, my girlfriend is very uh, accommodating <laughs> with yeah. that, so she, she doesn't you... mind, or at least doesn't tell me that she minds. But, uh, 
Have you managed to fit everything in or have you got like a condensed setup at the moment? It took me a little while. It was it was like an interesting 3D puzzle to get it all uh, to work. Bit- and, and the problem is now that as soon as I start moving around or I want to, you know, unplug a cable, I kind of have to do this uh, acrobatic thing. And uh, it's a bit of, uh, yeah. A bit like Tetris. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Total Tetris, yeah. But I'm happy that it actually does fit in and I won't be able to rearrange anything now, but, you know, yeah. I can work. So it's, it's cool. Awesome. And I'm, I'm in sort of in a, a cockpit. So if I stretch out my hands to either side, I can basically touch all the instruments. Yeah, that's definitely a positive, I think, sometimes when you've got everything. It's a, a lazy man studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we should uh, definitely talk about Age of Oddities, your new album that came out last Friday on Fat Cat. Um, 130701 which is absolutely stunning by the way um, I've had it on repeat um, it'd be lovely to know some more about it like uh, how and where did you record it and could you tell us maybe a bit more about some of the musicians who feature on there as well sure um, it's uh, it, it, it took me a little while to, to, to finish it I mean I was working on and off on it um, while I had started working with Johan Jonsson because we were in the same studio uh, in in Berlin at the time. Um, And so I was was working with him on uh, a lot of his uh, film projects. And that meant that, you know, I I would have these little gaps of time once in a while to to focus on on my own music, on what would later become this album. Um, And... That was always hard because, you know, if you sometimes you just need a longer stretch of time to really develop a concept or to develop the, the, the story between the pieces. And I don't like having just a, um, you know, like a, a collection of, of different ideas. I always wanted to kind of make sense and to, to follow a bit of a storyline. Yeah. Um, like the idea of an album is still interesting to me, you know, like having a beginning and an end and kind of an arc to it and all of that. Um, and th- that was quite hard in that period because, you know, working with Johan was obviously uh, demanding in a good way. Um, and after he passed away, I, I kind of used the time uh, to, it, it kind of became my way of, of dealing with everything that had happened um, and kind of reflecting on the time that we had worked together and, and spent together as well. You know, in, yeah. in the studio, we worked together every day there and with a bunch of other people as well. Um, so that that was a moment where I did have the time to, to kind of finish the whole story. Of it. And, and, and at the same time, it, weirdly, it became a sort of a therapy of, of having, you know, the... the, the Grief, uh, grief therapy, if you yeah. want to call it that. Um, so, in a way, it is. You know, it, it 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 was never intended to be, but in a way, it is a bit of a, a, a eulogy, or you know, in, um, my way of, of just uh, saying goodbye, uh, uh, if you if you will. Um, and because it became that, I, I decided that it would be interesting to collaborate with a lot of the people that I had gotten to know over those years that were collaborators of Johan's. So we had uh, Elsa Taub from Theatre of Voices, who that was actually the, the very last person that I recorded uh, for the album. And um, we did that in Copenhagen. And I, I kind of recorded it in, in a, lot, a lot of different places. Um, 
because why not? Uh, yeah. You know, and and Elsa is very busy, so I, I went to Copenhagen to record with her there. Um, the heart of the record is, of course, the the Budapest Art Art Orchestra that that I went to Budapest for. To you know, twenty three piece string section. Um, but there's it's kind of this this juxtaposition of of the orchestra versus the uh, all the vocals that are on there. So I work with different vocalists, Elsa being one of them. Um, Elsa's parts are basically the only parts in the album that I didn't process. So she's the only vocalist that actually sounds like herself. Uh, yes. In most of the time, I should say. Um, and then uh, Kira Kira became uh, one of the key performers on the album because when I uh, worked with her, that kind of put a lot of the little puzzle pieces into place and um, uh, she was a massive help that way and um, the vocals that we recorded together I processed a lot so it, it doesn't sound like her anymore. <laughs> I, I mean, I had a couple of questions about the vocals that are more of a personal kind of, I'd listen to it and I've listened to it um, a lot actually. And I was, one of the things that really stood out were the mishmash of vocals, obviously, as you just said, you've got uh, the pure vocal and the really treated vocal. And I was really interested to know kind of what you'd done, if you wouldn't mind saying, just because it is such, it's awesome. It's amazing. Like I've, I've, as I say, I've, I've, I've listened to it a lot, trying to work out some of, yeah, some of what you might have done to it. But it's, uh, it, the way it works with the orchestra and everything. It's, it's, it just gives it such a, kind of an original sound. Really, it's, it's works so nicely. Thank you. Um, there were a lot of processes for, for the different vocals there. I mean, a lot of a lot of it was digitally. So just in in, in Cubase, the, the software that I work with, um, just mangling, seeing, you know, just just working for for as long as it as it took to to get to a point where it sounded like, yeah, that you know, this is interesting. This is very weird, but I think this could be interesting if I use it as an instrument and. Um, I think in the beginning I wasn't even trying to avoid having it sound like voices, but that's just what ended up, and it ended up being that, you know. Yeah. But uh, but um, but I also use tapes to to slow things down or speed things up um, or to distort it. Um, I went to another studio in Berlin where where we just uh, reamped it through a bunch of guitar amps. Um, um, we did some recordings in Amsterdam uh, where we worked with contact mics and, and just, you know, there were all kinds of 
I was just looking for for a lot of different techniques to have fun with, and um, I tend to get a lot uh, like very easily. I, I tend to get in, inside my own head and just overthink things. So yes. I've learned that it's good for me to just go crazy with experimentation and just try a lot of different things. And I might not use all of it. Yeah, but that's the point where I can just come up with ideas that I can later then with my brain curate, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's, it's, it's awesome. I can tell you spent a lot of time um, working on those. And as, as you say, you've worked in all sorts of different locations as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was another, um, I wrote the title of the track down and, I, and I, uh, I've mislaid it, but there's a beautiful moment that I was going to ask you about. Um, it's actually, I presume it's a breath at the end of, um, I've gone completely blank on the title of the song. Obviously, they know which one you're talking about. And, yeah. it, and it ends and you get a... <gasps> And it's almost just, it's such a great way to end the track because it's such a eyes open kind of a wide moment, if you know what I mean. It's uh, That was actually a bit of a happy accident because um, the, the one that you're speaking about, it, uh, I think it's not for that hour, not for that place, it's track seven. That's it. Yes. And at the end, basically what that is, is is one of the recordings I took from, from Elsa and um, I reversed it. Uh, like the entire take and then just started stretching and pitching a new melody out of it um, which obviously doesn't sound like her anymore it just sounds like some auto-tune effect almost but uh, so that's the breath at the end is just her first breath basically before yes. that take so that's I did wonder if it was a brass instrument like a big a big breath where before yeah 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 no it is and it's but and I Originally, I guess I didn't intend to leave it there, but when I heard it, I thought it was funny. And um... I, I think it's small things like that that really make albums. There's just the tiny little bits, but that the first time I heard it, I was like, I, I love that, and I went back and listened to it straight again. And it's as I say, it almost reminds me of a film or, or a dream where suddenly there's that jolt open, the eyes, eyes wide open, and it's almost like it was a dream, and suddenly you snap too. It's uh, yeah, it's very effective. Well, I'm happy to hear that it actually worked, that it wasn't just in my head where it... No, I think it's, I think it's a lovely touch. Yes, sorry, I've completely gone off on a tangent on the the vocal side of things. I know that you were talking about some of the other people playing on there. I don't know if we got to the brass players. We didn't actually, no. Uh, so the the horn player is a, is a good friend of mine, Morbus Kliphaus. He's a Dutch uh, uh, horn player. I think he's actually one of few um, 
jazz trained uh, French horn players in the world. Um, there might be a few more now, but I I remember that you know for for a while he was one of a few people because it's not a traditional instrument to, to play jazz with. Yeah. Um, but he's also the kind of guy that really likes to to experiment with sound a lot, and, and um, to, it was obvious for me to, to invite him. The, the lines that I wrote for him were ridicu- ridiculous to play because he had basically no time to breathe anywhere, and they were all like these massive legato lines. And um, so that I had to learn my lesson for next time. But I I've I've done that where I uh, worked with a saxophonist and I didn't put any breaths in at all. And you just forget sometimes. I'm, I'm so used to working with strings that suddenly when you give it to someone who's actually, uh, yeah, doing brass, you almost forget that they are actually going to have to take a full breath somewhere. Exactly. You really have to do that. It's, it's a bit annoying because it kind of messes with my melody if you breathe. But okay, let's just do it. Then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, we, and uh, uh, there was a... A trombone player, uh, Hilary Jeffery, who's more comes more from the avant-garde side of things. Um, but most of the things that I had him play were uh, an octave higher and uh, and double time because my I always intended to, to slow it down on take. Um, so he, I think, I confused him a little bit during the recording session. He got a little annoyed with me, even. <laughs> uh, but after I explained what I what I wanted to do, I think he he actually thought it was funny, and you know he wanted to he wanted yeah. to proceed. But and is that to make the sound a bit thicker and fuller? When slowing yeah, down. Yeah, I I used that on the be- the, the beginning uh, melodies of um, uh, tracks four and eight by uh, Calm and the other one we will. Ooh, that was my own title. Uh, we will clamber. Uh, I forgot the title. It's uh, <laughs> track eight. Um, it's kind of this big, monumental, uh, almost alien sound uh, that I wanted to create, uh, where I, I used a lot of different instruments, pitched them down a lot, and and just um, also some voices. I think it's it's a it's very layered. And uh, so that, that's mainly what it was for. But the horn is basically used uh, as an actual instrument. The, the trombone I use more as a, you know, as a texture type. Thing. Yeah. Awesome. And I understand you're playing trumpets, piano, keys, and doing the electronics on the album. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the trumpet is not really as a trumpet. It's more of a percussive thing that I again processed a lot because I'm a horrible trumpet player. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of key bits. You know, there's a bit of piano, not too much because I, I it's been used so much that I kind of wanted to stay away from that for, for this one. Um, and also, it was more I don't know. It became kind of a challenge to not use piano in something like this. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of little key bits, uh, like little uh, little synthesizer parts that I that I ended up also slowing down on tapes and. and so there's a lot of that. And, and some of the vocals are also mine. Yeah, that's true. Awesome. And is there any chance of any uh, live shows or is it uh, is that a bit of a harder thing to assemble for a live show? You know, it's, 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 it's hard in general at the moment to, to, to organize anything. So I yes. think I've accepted the fact that, that for the foreseeable future, there won't be anything uh, in, in, in that department. But 
Um, we are actually looking into uh, doing something more towards the end of the year, hopefully. Amazing. Um, so there, there's an opportunity to, to, to do a few gigs. Um, and I'm hoping that will be with a, uh, at least with a string quartet. So I, I would have to rewrite a lot of the parts um, because it's, it's obviously not going to be possible to get 23 string players on the stage. Yes. You know, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to translate it to a more manageable uh, setting. But I think we can, we've, we did one piece a few years ago before the album was finished. Um, the Invention of the Moon, we performed that at a memorial concert for Johan in, in Reykjavik. Um, and that was with a quartet and one horn player and that worked really well actually. So I, I think uh, most of it can be rewritten and, um, and I would do the electronics and, and some of the keys myself. Yeah. You know, we'd have to do it that way. I'd, I just have to figure out what to do with the vocals. I haven't really managed to solve yeah. that problem yet. Yeah. <laughs> The joys of live when when you do big orchestral productions i think sometimes that is the thing of when it comes to that it's a lot of you're almost writing a second album to uh produce yeah the live show kind of a remix of the first one you know? yeah <laughs> which is um, obviously Fat Cat. Um, how, how did you come by working with them? Um, they, they were on my radar as being um, one of uh, one of few labels where I actually like the entire catalogue that they put out. Um, it's, it's rare that a label has that, I think. And, <clears throat> and you know, that, that is in no mean, in no, in no way, uh, saying that you know you always have to have every record be brilliant, and I, I think that's nearly impossible. But the fact that they have that quality in their catalog is it's very impressive. Um, my manager and I we sent it out to to uh, to several labels, and and we ended up talking with a few. But there was there was this real uh, love for music that. That Dave Howell has uh, the guy running thirteen and seven and one. Um, he and also from the first moment we started talking, he was, uh, you know, he 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 gave me a lot of compliments for uh, for the music, but also he was very critical of it. He, he also pointed out a few things where he felt, um, I'm not sure if I want that piece on the album. You know, there was a bit of an A and R role that he took, yes. and it was very respectful, but it was. Um, yeah, I, I like that. You know that that it wasn't just like sure we put it out, and you know, 
there was there was a bit of an interaction going and and he was protecting the quality as much as I was and, and that made it very interesting for me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important, obviously working with people who are yeah, aren't just saying, Yes, we'll put it out. They're really actually listening to it and saying, even if it was like a track listing, saying, I think this track goes better here because of the flow or certain reason. And it's lovely sometimes to have fresh ears and eyes on something, because I think often the amount of times people you're so when you've obviously taken a long time to record this, uh, you would have been in in it. So people listening from outside will always pick certain things that you think, oh, I've never thought of it like that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, it'd be lovely to touch on some of the soundtrack work um, you've done. You've worked on a few sort of TV and film soundtracks, um, collaborated with some amazing people, um, such as Hilda Goodner-Dottier and the Sadly Miss Johan, which you mentioned earlier. Um, has there been anything that you've learned collaborating with, you know, these brilliant artists? I've learned uh, more than I would be able to, to tell you about in, in, in this conversation. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, from, from the first day that I started working with Johan, and actually that was the same day I started working with Hilder because we we, um, we worked on, on the first season of the, the Icelandic series Trapped. Yes. Um, it, it it was it, it was very interesting you know like johan kind of brought me back to a place where uh i shouldn't be afraid of just using extremely lo-fi techniques to, to get results i was at that point i had taught myself to just be so meticulous and so careful about everything and to just make sure that everything is done the right way um you know, I would take uh, a recording, like some percussion recordings, and just really, you know, make sure that if, if I move some of the tracks, I have to move all of them because otherwise you lose the phase thing between them. And yeah, he would just come in, sit behind my computer and start, start messing with everything. And I, I would just, hands in my hair, just lose it because all, all the rules that I had learned were broken within 30 seconds, you know, and... But I also saw that that led to some amazing sounding results so that I shouldn't necessarily be afraid of, of breaking those rules. And, and and weirdly, that was something that wasn't, you know, I'd, I'd done that before. It's just that I'd forgotten it. And, and yeah. I was kind of pushed back into that position where everything is possible. Don't ignore just any any technique or, or just stupid detail. Just do whatever feels good and sounds good mostly, and um, and I think Hilder has a has a similar way of working where, um, you know, she is she's a fantastic composer and she is so good at at writing um, really special and perfect melodies and, and arrangements, but she is also somebody that will very easily just record it. In a, you know, just because she has an idea, it needs to be recorded now. Microphone is not the right, facing the right way. Whatever, you know, I want to record it. And then you end up with what normally would be an inadmissible recording, but you know, you can still the, the material is still amazing. You yeah, know, the, the the content of it. So I think that was definitely a big lesson. And then of course, 
was the first time that I that I started working with orchestras because I, I don't come from the classical world and um, that was an amazing experience uh, you know, just uh, seeing seeing those massive recordings with, with great engineers that you know that Johan was working with at the time um, yeah it was I, I think I've learned more in those years than I will in the next 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm still processing it all. You know, that's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. That's really beautifully put in terms of um, sometimes, and you mentioned it as lo-fi as well, just how it's not sometimes always about the quality. It's about the feel in the recording. And uh, I, I've spoken to... Uh, another composer in an early episode and he was saying one of his tracks was recorded on his iPhone and yeah. he said he just couldn't get a better version yeah. and that uh, that was the take and he, it was when he was writing it he got it down and he'd had a sound man come in in one of his shows that he was uh, playing at and had said how uh, you know I always test my PA speakers on this track and wow it's recorded amazingly and he turned around and said oh, I recorded that on my iPhone and he was a bit blown away by it. So it's yeah, it's amazing. I think sometimes feel as you've as you've just said there as well is so important. And you know, we're all walking around with with recorders now that actually can capture a decent enough sound. And then yeah, it's it's an amazing world that we live in of tools to our fingertips. But even if if you know, even if uh, if it's a bad recording, if the musical content of it is is special then it doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter and um, of course you know people like like Ms. Fram have also started changing the perspective to to piano recording for instance yeah but you know that that is that is done on purpose of course to just go really close and hear the hammers and all of the bells and all of that but um but there's also just a way of, of doing it on purpose or, or just allowing you know it to sound bad because it's the moment was more special than, than putting the microphones right. You know? yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally agree. to um talk about when you're not making music um do you get time to listen to much new music and has there been any artists or albums that you've particularly enjoyed over the last year or so or anything that sticks out in your mind that you've heard oh that's a good question um i, I try to yeah i mean it's uh i don't have 
an amazing amount of time to listen to new music, but I, I do try to buy uh, a vinyl. <laughs> that's, that's become a bit of a hobby. Um, because, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy the, 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 the physical um, uh, action of, of just taking the disc and having to put it on and 20 minutes later having to turn it around again. And um, so that that I really enjoy it. I've been buying a bunch of Japanese ambient uh, records. Don't ask me which titles <laughs> all right now, but um, um, that, yeah, that's been it's been very enjoyable. That's mostly stuff from the eighties, uh, let's say. Um, oh, I would have. I'm really bad with names sometimes. I, I, I think. I think it's the hardest question to answer ever. I, I don't think anyone can just reel off stuff because sometimes it's uh, trying to think of something off the top of your head when they when you're flooded with music is is a really hard question to answer. Like I I, I even I I think I should have I should have asked you previously and prepped you on that one. I'm really sorry because I know I, I know <laughs> I I do this a lot and I ask people and I think oh, I'll ask you know because I'm always interested to hear what other people are listening to. And I think it's the one question that is always the hardest question to answer. I mean, I always have, I, I am always listening also to the to music that my, my friends are making and, you know, um, uh, just the people that uh, that I share the studio with. So, you know, that there's always that. Um, so like, for instance, yeah, here at Blotmund, uh, he's, he's also on 130701. Um, like he's, he's been writing some really beautiful music lately, but it's not out yet. So yeah. we're going to have to wait for that. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's it's always hard to to be asked that on the spot. That's that's true. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I do apologise for that. I should have asked you that previously, so you had time to think about it. No problem. Cool. And and lastly, is there is there anything you can tell us that you're what you're up to at the moment? Um, I realise you might not be able to tell us anything, but I thought I'd ask: Can you say are there any projects or is there any new music that you're working on that you can tell us about? Um, I. I've been working uh, quite a bit on a virtual reality project uh, for a bunch of museums for, um, to, that, that has to do with the migration of animals uh, and, and climate change. So that, that was actually a um, very interesting project uh, to work on. So I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of that at the moment. Um, I've started writing new music. Um, I, I, the, the first one took me so long and, and I'm already in a, uh, for some reason, it, it's coming out now. It's um, I'm writing a lot of new stuff, so I'm hoping to have the, the next one done relatively soon. Um, and then there's there's uh, there's always a few uh, TV film projects that are in the air, but nothing has landed yet. So yeah. you know, we'll see uh, we'll see what comes up. So awesome. that's, that's in a nutshell, basically. Yeah, my great. Great. Well, congrats on the new album. Um, I will be playing some clips throughout this interview for people to hear it um, as well. And um, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time today as well to chat to us. Uh, thanks. Thanks to you. And, and uh, it was a lovely chat. Yeah, lovely to chat. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>